0: The following explanatory notes on Pilgrim's Progress are by Thomas Scott. The Valley of the Shadow of Death. The Valley of the Shadow of Death seems intended to represent a variation of inward distress, conflict, and alarm, which arises from prevailing darkness and insensibility of mind, rendering a man reluctant to religious duties, and dull in the performance of them which makes way for manifold apprehensions and temptations. The words, quoted from the prophet, describe the waste howling wilderness through which Israel journeyed to Canaan, which typified the believer's pilgrimage through this world to heaven. From this we may infer that Banyan meant in general that such dreary seasons may be expected as very few believers wholly escape them. But we must not suppose that he intended to convey an idea that all experience these trials in the same order or degree as Christian did. While men rest in forms and notions, they generally expect nothing in religious ordinances but to finish a task, and to enjoy the satisfaction of having done their supposed duty. But the spiritual worshipper is sometimes... Finds his soul filled with clear light and holy affection. It is good for him to draw near to God. And his soul is satisfied with marrow and fatness. While he praises his God with joyful lips, at other times dullness and heaviness suppress him. He feels little exercise of faith, hope, desire, reverence, love, or gratitude. He seems to address an unknown or absent God, and rather to mock than to worship him. Divine things appear obscure and almost unreal. In every returning season of devotion, a reiterated effort to lift up his heart to God ends in disappointment, so that religion becomes his burden instead of his delight. Evils before unnoticed are now perceived to mingle with the services for his self-knowledge is advanced. His remedy seems to increase his disease. He suspects that all of his former joy was a delusion and is ready to conclude that God has forgotten to be gracious and has shut up his loving kindness and his displeasure. These experiences Sufficiently painful in themselves are often rendered more distressing by erroneous expectations of uninterrupted comfort, or by reading books or hearkening to instructions which state things unscripturally. Representing comfort as the evidence of his acceptance with God. Assurance as the essence of faith. Impressions or visions is a witness of the Holy Spirit or perfection as attainable in this life, nay, actually attained by all the regenerate, as if this were the church triumphant and not the church militant. The state of the body also is disordered by nervous or hypochondriacal affections gives energy to the distressing inferences which men often draw from their dark frame of mind, and indeed indisposition may often operate as a direct cause of it. Though, the influences of the Holy Spirit will overcome this, and all other impediments to comfort. When he sheds abroad the love of God in the heart, evil spirits never fail when they are permitted to take advantage of a disordered state, whether of body or mind, to mislead, entangle, perplex, or defile the soul. Persons of a melancholy temperament, when not aware of the particular causes whence their gloom originates, are apt to ascribe it wholly to desertion, which exceedingly enhances their distress. And as our author had been greatly harassed in this way, he has given us a larger proportion of this shade than is generally met with by consistent believers, or than the scriptures gives us reason to expect. And probably he meant to state the outlines of his own experience in the pilgrimage of Christian. When Christian was got to the borders of the shadow of death, there met him two men. These men were spies, not pilgrims. They related what they had observed at a distance, but had never themselves experienced. They represent those who have been conversant with godly people and bring an evil report on the good land to prejudice the minds of numbers against the right ways of the Lord. Such men pretend to have made trial of religion and found it to be a comfortless and dreary pursuit. They give a caricatured description of the sighs, groans, tears, and distresses of pious persons, and of all the dreadful things to be seen and heard among them. They avail themselves of every unguarded or hyperbolical expression, which escapes a tempted believer of the enthusiastic representations which some people give of their experience, and even of the figurative language which is often employed in speaking of inward conflicts under image taken from external things. Thus, they endeavor to excuse their own apostasy and to expose to contempt the cause which they have deserted. Nothing they can say, however, concerning the disorder or confusion to which religion may sometimes give occasion, can induce a believer to conclude that he has mistaken his way, or that it would be advisable for him to turn back, or deviate into any by-path, though they will excite him to vigilance and circumspection. As those spies do, so much mischief by their misrepresentations, we should be careful to give them as little occasion as we possibly can. So far as this valley is reached, Rice Bunyan, there was on the right hand a very deep ditch, that ditch is it into which the blind have led the blind in all ages. The fatal presumption, in which men are soothed through ignorance and various kinds of false doctrine, so that they conclude themselves safe without any warrant from scripture, is intended by the deep ditch in which the blind lead the blind and perish with them. This is often done by men who reciprocally criminate and despise each other. The dangerous quag on the other side of the narrow way represents the opposite extreme. Despair of God's mercy. And the mire of it agrees with that of the slough despond. In these opposite ways, multitudes continually perish, some concluding that there is no fear, others that there is no hope. But the danger to which a real believer is exposed, of verging towards one of these extremes in times of inward darkness and disconsolation, is especially implied. They, who have had much opportunity of conversing with professors of the gospel, have met with many persons who once were zealous and comfortable, but their religious affections have declined. Their duties are comparatively scanty, formal, and joyless. Their walk unsteady, and their hearts dark, cold, and barren. They call themselves backsliders and complain of desertion, yet they have no hearts to use proper means of revival, but love to be soothed in their present condition and quiet themselves by presuming that they are true believers and abusing the doctrine of final perseverance. Many of this caste are wholly deceived, others partially and will be recovered by severe but salutary discipline. Even the true Christian, when greatly discouraged, may be powerfully tempted to seek peace of mind by arguing with himself on the safety of his state, or trying to be satisfied without his formal spiritual affections and holy consolation, and Satan will find prompters to suggest to him that this is the case of all experienced believers and that fervency of love belongs only to young converts who are strangers to their own hearts. This is the more plausible because the increase of sound judgment and abiding spiritual affections abates that earnestness, often indiscreet and disproportionate, which sprang from mere selfish principles and when religious profession is cheap and common, many retain it, who have scarce any appearance of spirituality, and who infect others with their contagious converse and example. But while the conscientious believer, amidst his deepest discouragements, dreads and shuns this presumption, he is liable to sink into despondency and may be led to condemn all his past experiences as unreal, to rank himself among stony ground hearers, to conclude that it is useless for him to pray or seek any more, and to lie down in enfeebling dejection. Again, perceiving this danger, he finds it very difficult in the present dark state of his soul to avoid it, without seeming to abuse the free grace of the Gospel. This experience must create much distress, perplexity, and confusion, and makes way for many dark and terrifying temptations. So that, though a man is not harassed with doubts about the truth of the Scriptures, he will be unable to make much use of them for his direction and comfort. In An earnest, instant prayer must be his only resource. Cases sometimes occur in which, Through a concurrence of circumstances, this alarming and perplexing experience continues and increases for some time, but the true Christian will be, as it were, constrained to press forward, and by faith, will at length put the enemies to flight. Some have thought that the general notions of apparitions may be alluded to, is giving the tempter an occasion of increasing the terror of such persons as are in that respect credulous and timorous. One thing I would not let slip. I took notice that now poor Christian was so confounded that he did not know his own voice. Thomas Scott says, The case here intended is not uncommon among conscientious persons under urgent temptations. Imaginations are suddenly excited in their minds, with which their previous thoughts had no connection. Even as if words were spoken to them, these often imply hard censors of God, His service or decrees, which they abhor as direct blasphemy or harass them with other hateful ideas. Yet instead of considering that such suggestions distress them in exact proportion as they are opposite to the prevailing disposition of their hearts, and that their dread and hatred of them are evidences of love to God, they consider them as unpardonably criminal, inconsistent with the state of grace, and a mark a final reprobation. Whereas, had such things coincided with the state of their minds, they would have been defiling but not distressing, and instead of rejecting them at once with decided abhorrence, they would have given them entertainment and employed their minds about them as much as they dared. For the carnal mind is enmity against God, and can only be deterred from blasphemy on many occasions by the dread of its vengeance. John Bunyan had been so much baffled by the stratagem of the tempter that would have been extraordinary had he omitted it, for the subsequent discovery he made of his mistake, and of the way of resisting the devil in this case qualified him to give suitable caution to others. The intrusion of such thoughts should excite us to greater earnestness in prayer. Pious meditations... Or adoring praises for this above all other things will in the event be found to close a mind most effectually against them when Christian had travelled in this disconsolate condition some considerable time he thought he heard the voice of a man as going before him. Nothing more effectually supports the tempted than to learn that others whom they consider as believers have been or are in similar circumstances. For the idea that such a state of mind as they experience is inconsistent with true faith, gives the enemy its principal advantage against them. Indeed, this often proves a means of their deliverance. For in due season that light, affection, and consolation for which they have long mourned, thirsted, prayed, and waited, will be vouchsafed them and the reviews of the dangers they have escaped, now more clearly discerned than before, will enlarge their hearts with admiring gratitude to their great and gracious Deliverer. Though the first part of the valley of the shadow of death was dangerous, yet the second part, which he was yet to go, was, as if possible, far more dangerous Various interpretations are given of the second part of the valley, which only show that the author's precise idea in it lies more remote from general apprehension than in other passages, for they all coincide with some of the difficulties or dangers that are clearly described under other emblems. I would not indeed be too confident, but I apprehend in general we are taught by it, that believers are not most in danger when under the deepest distress, that the snares and devices of the enemy are so many and various, through the several stages of our pilgrimage, as to baffle all description or enumeration, and that all the emblems of the valley of humiliation and of the shadow of death could not fully represent the thousands part of them. Were it not, therefore, that the Lord undertakes to guide his people by the light of his word and spirit, they never could possibly escape them all. Chapter 11 Christian and Faithful As Christian went on his way, he came to a little ascent, which was cast up on purpose that pilgrims might see before them. This may represent those moments of encouragement, in which tempted believers rise superior to their difficulties and are animated to desire the company of their brethren, whom dejection under humiliating experience disposes them to shun. The conduct of Christian intimates that believers are sometimes ready to hinder one another by making their own attainments and progress a standard for their brethren, but the lively exercise of faith renders men intent on pressing forward, and more apt to fear the society of such as would influence them to loiter than to stop for them. This tends to excite an useful emulation, but while it promotes diligence, it often gives occasion to those risings of vainglory and self-preference, which are the forerunners of some humiliating fall. Thus believers often are left to feel their need of help from the very persons whom they have foolishly undervalued. Such experiences, however, give occasion to those mutual good offices, which unite them more closely in the nearest ties of tender affection. Christian, my honored and well-beloved brother faithful, I am glad that I have overtaken you. This episode, so to speak, with others of the same kind, gives our author a happy advantage of varying the characters and experiences of Christians. Is found in real life, and of thus avoiding a common fault of making one man a standard for others in the circumstances of his religious progress, it often happens that they who have been acquainted before their conversion and hear little of each other for some time after find at length that they were led to attend to religion about the same period without having opportunity or courage to confer together about it. The decided separation of a sinner from his old companions, and his avowed dread of the wrath to come, frequently excites alarms and serious thoughts in the minds of others, which they are not able wholly to shake off. In many, indeed, this is a mere floating, transient notion insufficient to overcome the propensities of the carnal mind. But when it arises from a real belief of God's testimony, it will at length produce a happy change. He is now seven times worse than if he had never gone out of the city. Apostates are often ashamed to only have had convictions. Their careless companions assume a kind of superiority over them. They do not think them hardy in the cause of ungodliness, and they despise their cowardice and versatility. On the other hand, such persons feel that they lack an apology and have recourse to contemptible lies and slanders, with abject servility, while they shun religious people, as afraid of their arguments, warnings, and expostulations. Faithful said, I escaped the slough that I perceived you fell into, and I got up to the gate without that danger. Some men are preserved from desponding fears and the suggestions of a worldly wisdom by receiving more distinct views of the general truths of the gospel, and thus they proceed with less hesitation and interruption in applying to Christ for salvation, yet perhaps their temperature, turn of mind, Habits of life and peculiar situation render them more accessible to temptations of another kind, and they may be more in danger from the fascinations of fleshly lust. Thus, in different ways, the Lord makes his people sensible of their depravity, weakness, and exposed situation, while he so moderates the temptation or interposes for their deliverance that they are preserved and taught to ascribe all the glory. To his name. Faithful, why, at first I found myself somewhat inclinable to go with the man, for I thought he spoke very fair. Those Christians who by strong faith or assured hope endure hardships more cheerfully than their brethren are often exposed to greater danger from the allurements of outward objects exciting the remaining propensities of corrupt nature. Deep humiliation and great anxiety about the event in many instances tend to repress the loss of the heart by supplying a continual succession of other thoughts and cares, while constant encouragement readily attained too often leaves a man to experience them more forcibly. Nay, the same person's who under pressing solicitude seem to be entirely delivered from some peculiar corruptions, find them revive and become more troublesome when they have obtained more confidence about their salvation. The old Adam, the corrupt nature, proves a constant snare to many believers by its hankering after the pleasures, riches, honors, and pride of the world nor can the victory be secured without great difficulty and trouble and strong faith and fervent prayer.